Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it. You love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today, we have a Daytona Road Course recap. How about C-Bell and Ty Gibbs? Insane stuff, wasn't it? Plus, one of my big mentors in the biz, Zach Albert. He's going to be on to share his story with us. A lot of trials and tribulations in his professional, personal life. He was super open, and I thank him for sharing all that with us. Some really fun stories about North Wilkesboro. Uh, you're not going to want to miss this one. Trust me. It's, it's really, really good stuff. And we're paying homage to somebody on this show who is a bit top of mind, but not for the right week. Better late than never, right? Thank you, Doof, and welcome to this week's look back at number 96. 633 cup starts for the 96, and two wins coming in the early 70s via West Coast ace Ray Elder. No relation to legendary NASCAR crew chief Suitcase Jake Elder. Richard Childress had the most starts in the 96, 108 of them, before he smartly gave up the steering wheel in the mid-70s and put a young gun from Kannapolis named Earnhardt in the car. That turned out to be a pretty good move all around, I'd say. That's what I'm talking about. With the rest of our time today, I need to apologize to the special guest you just heard from. While it was great to celebrate Michael McDowell's surprise win in the Daytona 500 last week, I completely neglected the driver we should have been celebrating. You know him. You love him. He's an animated legend, and we welcome him to the show today. Driver of the number 95, Rusty's Medicated Bumper Ointment Hot Rod, Here's Lightning McQueen. Float like a Cadillac, sting like a Beamer. Lightning, welcome to the show. Okay, nice seeing you. As I said, we're sorry about last week, but hope you're ready to answer some questions for us today. Come on, I'm ready for anything. Bring it on. All right then. What's the secret to your success? It's all in the preparation. You never know where lightning will strike. I am a thunderbolt! I am speed. Tell us, what's the best thing about being Lightning McQueen? I'm Mia. I'm Mia. We're like your biggest fans. I love being me. You know, notwithstanding your current popularity, you were known as a bad boy in your early years, weren't you? Now you're making me mad. Now that's just wrong. Lightning. Mr. McQueen, unacceptable. Relax, McQueen. It's not like I was suggesting you were as bad as Chick Hicks. Kachiga! Kachiga! <sighs> so this is what Chick feels like. Any message for Chick? Who appears to have snuck into the studio? Where'd you come from? This cannot be happening. Nice one, McQueen. Before I let you go, any words for your young fans out there? Kids, don't try this at home. Just keep doing your best. That's all you can ask of yourselves. Thank you, Lightning McQueen, for appearing on the show today. Any last words? You just got struck by lightning!
Thanks, folks. I'll be here all week. Had lightning. He's quite a guy. Ka-chow! That's all for this week. Thanks, as usual, to Mama Siegel for the lovely kachigas. And back to you, Doof. Thank you, Dad, for that wonderful rendition. Thank you, Lightning, for joining us. And thank you, Mom, for the kachiga. I appreciate that. Let's get this episode started the way that we always do. With a good, old-fashioned... Christopher Bell wins his first career Cup Series race at the Daytona Road Course. I didn't see this coming this early and at this track. I did see it coming this year. I did think he'd win. I just didn't think it'd be here and this soon. But that's the beauty of the NASCAR, right? The NASCARs. And as they say, that's why they play the games and stick in ball sports. Well, that's why they run the races. Because Chase Elliott was dominating, as as he does on a road course. Then Joey Logano seemed to have it in the bag. Then cautions come out. Tire strategy gets put into play. And Seabell had a fast car all day. But he swoops in when opportunity presents itself, coming to the checkered flag, excuse me, coming to the white flag, passes Logano, holds off for the win, his first in his Cup Series career. And he's going to tell you that last year was pretty rough for him. So this win makes the past few months all more worth it for Christopher. I, you know, this is the happiest moment I've had in a very long time. You know, 2020 was one of the hardest seasons I've ever had in my racing career. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've, I think I won a race at the Chili Bowl on my prelim night, and then that was it for the rest of the year. So uh, that that's obviously against or the up against the Cup guys and on the dirt side too. So 2020 was a really really low point for me, and just to come back in 21 and be able to win in the Cup Series this early on a road course is, you know, something that I'm going to cherish for the rest of my life. And um, yeah, I just can't wait to can't wait to see what we can do on the ovals and and build on this. After last year. I would say that I'm not overly shocked to win the first road course of the year is, is quite surprising, but you know, last year, the road courses were not my best finishes, but speed wise, I was really fast at both of them. So uh, I certainly knew that we would be in contention or, you know, at least competitive today, uh, you know, winning, I, I didn't probably didn't see that one coming, but, uh, I thought that we were going to be in contention. I guess Levine Family Racing really kind of opened his eyes to what Cup Series racing can be. And I put can in, in, in emphasis there because what it should be for a really great driver is being in great equipment and being able to win races every single week. And obviously, Seabell now has that chance. But it can be pretty taxing mentally, emotionally, physically on you. And it seems like it was last year. But fear not because Seabell is now a winner in the Cup Series, one of the best days of his life, he said. How about crew chief Adam Stevens too? Second race with his new driver already in victory lane. And you know that some part of him, even though he he will never say it publicly, some part of him's got to be saying, oh yeah, Kyle Busch, KFB in your face because you wanted to get rid of my engineers. I said no. Then you fired me because you wanted to change because you didn't think I and my team could do it. And guess what? We did it and you didn't. So in your face. But he didn't say that. He just said, you know, what a crew chief normally does after they win a race for the first time with a new driver. Well, it's extremely important to get off on the right foot. You know, we spent a lot of time uh, this offseason talking about building a foundation and and scoring some points and getting the finishes that we have coming to us. So I didn't imagine we'd win our second race together, but uh, happy to do so. It definitely changes um, the whole season and 
how you approach the season and what your obstacles might be. So uh, now that we have one under our belt, I think we can get a few more. Also want to give a quick shout out to Michael McDowell, Daytona 500 winner, and Ryan Priest, who's an open car this year, both of which got top 10 finishes at the road course for the second time in a row. And that's the first time for each driver that they've had back-to-back top 10 finishes in their cup careers. McDowell, that's a that's a bit of a more impressive feat just because it, it hasn't happened in his entire career up to this point. And Priest has not been in cup as long as McDowell has, but... Even so, I mean, McDowell's in the playoffs and he's running top 10 at the road course. Priest is an open car. They weren't sure if they were going to run all 36 races and here they are in the top 10 in points. That's pretty legit. So congrats to Christopher Bell and for McDowell and Priest. Keep it up. That is that is impressive to see. He was a guest with me this week on the Front Stretch podcast. So I encourage you guys to go check that out right after you finish listening to this episode. But holy Ty Gibbs. I mean, that was some performance, if I do say so myself, on the Daytona Road Course. First driver to win in his Xfinity Series debut since Kurt Busch did it in 2006, and the first driver ever to do so with no cup experience previously. And the list of drivers who are on that list, along with Kurt Busch and now Ty Gibbs, it is pretty extensive, and it is pretty impressive. I'll tell you who. Dale Earnhardt. Joe Rutman, Ricky Rudd, Terry Labonte, and now Kurt Busch and Ty Gibbs. I mean, that is pretty impressive, if I do say so myself. And let me tell you something. People give him a bad rap because it's his last name is Gibbs. He's a rich kid. Everything's given to him. He's in the best equipment. He's spoiled. Look, he is in the best equipment. And he has been spoiled by being in the best equipment with anything he drives. The thing is, for me... It's one thing to be in the best stuff and not deliver. Ty has delivered his entire NASCAR career. I mean, in ARCA, he wins almost every single week. And in Xfinity Series debut, he wins again. I mean, what more could you want from the kid? I say nothing. He went through the grass at the end. You guys see that? He won stage two, so it wasn't a fluke at all. I mean, when he went through that grass, I thought that it was done for sure. I asked him about that on the front stretch pod. So go go listen to that after this, as I said. But, man, he showed him, and he put a whooping on him. And now he's an Xfinity Series winner, this breakthrough historic victory for an 18-year-old babyface kid. It was a, I have a lot of emotions, like, going through it because, you know, like, the first couple of hours, I don't even know where I – like, I didn't even know how to drive the car and then, you know, the line and everything. And, and so – once I kind of figured that out, I kind of just kept pushing on, uh, pushing forward on everything and every every kind of line on the track and and stuff. And I kind of start picking up speed and realized I could run with those guys. And then at the end, I don't even know, like I don't even know how I got to a position where I could win the race. And I was already excited at that point. So you know, it was uh, it was definitely something to work for. And and going through the grass, I was I don't know how I kept going. I thought I ripped the nose off of it. So that was a uh, that was lucky. You know, I just can't thank the man above for everything. And he put me in this position. So that's, that's the most important part. Ty, you said that you didn't expect to win tonight, but I know that you're really, really hard on yourself and you hold yourself to a high standard. So at what point tonight did you realize that you had race winning speed and, and you figured that you may have a shot at this thing for real? Yeah, you know, thank you. And um, I just about almost halfway three quarters away through the race. And that's where it kind of sort of started, um, really catching the leaders and, and running good. And, um, you know, I just can't, can't thank everybody enough. Like I said, um, I'm just mixed emotions and I'm just, 
I'm like worn out. I'm completely cooked and I'm surprised that I even won this thing. And what does this do for you for the rest of the year? You obviously got some big plans over on the Arkham Menard series and you're going to run more here in Xfinity in terms of confidence from that standpoint of things and also potentially adding some more races to your schedule. I mean, is it too early to think about what this does for you for the rest of the year? Yeah, you know, right now I just, I know we're just trying to get forward and run the next race and focus on and stuff like that. So you know, I really don't know what to expect for the rest, the rest of this year and, and, and especially the Xfinity, and the Xfinity side. I'm, I'm just excited that we won and I'm looking forward to the next one. Thank you. And for coach really quickly, did you have a timeline of when you maybe expected Ty to have this much success? And I know obviously you didn't expect it this quick, but do you have a timeline of when you expected him to be contending for wins and getting victories? No, I, I don't think you even dream of this, you know, something that could happen like this, stepping up to Xfinity. You're just, I was so nervous coming because he was starting kind of mid pack. I was worried about that. And so you're just hoping he can make laps and get through everything. And then as the race started to play out, you see, oh, my gosh, he, you know, he's up front. And so it was a thrill from that standpoint. I, I think he's got a big schedule this year, just turning 18. He now can run the big stuff. So he's going to run a lot of ARCA stuff. And then he'll be running probably 10 Xfinity uh, races. And so I just – didn't thank Chris Gale enough either. Chris, you know, prepared the car, coached him up on everything. And he's got a lot of people around him that really are supporting, believe in him. And um, I, I just want to thank all those guys. Uh, and it's just a thrill for our family, a whole family. Heather was upstairs, his mother, Coy, like I said, has been the one that's kind of guided his career. And so we want to thank them. And then Lord, Lord bless us with a great night, the way everything played out. Thank you guys. And real quick, Ty, what was up with the peanut butter crackers? People were confused about that. Yeah, no, I just got a little hungry there about halfway through the race. Um, I'm a small little guy, so I processed a little food pretty fast and I was looking for a snack. Gotta love those peanut butter crackers, don't we? <laughs> and also uh, the chili afterwards was well worth it. And if you don't know what I'm saying, check out the interview on the front stretch pot after. Truck race was the longest one in series history by length, triple overtime to be specific. And I think it was two hours, 48 minutes, something like that. Ridiculously long for a truck race. But Ben Rhodes comes through as the winner for the second week in a row. I almost got him in trouble uh, in the post-race Zoom. So I apologize to Ben for that. Uh, but I didn't. And he talked about his win, second one in a row. And now he is a stranglehold on playoff points in the truck series. So good start to the season for Mr. Rhodes. Yeah, Ben, you mentioned a lot of things there. 200th win for Toyota, second win in a row at Daytona for you, first on a road course in your career, first time with multiple wins in the year. When you look back on this night, what are you going to remember most about it, you think? Uh, I'm going to remember the good times with everybody on my crew. Like you become family, you know, and I've worked with so many of these people for so long. And like I said, I've got a lot of folks on my crew specifically this year that are new to me, but I've known them for a long time and we're, we're bonding right away and hitting everything off right away. I couldn't be more proud of that. And, um, the support from everybody back at the shop, like I said, those people I've been around for a long time now and, you know, our body hangers, our boys back in the paint shop, you know, it's, it's, it's a family we got and I couldn't be more proud of them. 
I think it was the first overtime that kind of blend together. But when they threw the caution with about 100 feet before the line, you were pretty adamant that that was uh, that was some BS. Can you just walk me through your mindset, you know, when you realized that you were going to have to do this all over two more times, I guess? Okay, so what I'm learning right now is I got to watch what I say. I got I got my dad's temper. And okay, my PR lady back there, Lynn, saying you got to watch what you say. I'm 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 becoming more like Johnny Sauter. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I got to watch what I say. I, uh, yeah, you know that was frustrating for sure because we were like 200 feet from the line on a 3.16 mile track, uh, 3.61 mile track, and uh, 200 feet from the line, and the caution comes out and. You know, obviously, I'd be so mad if we didn't get the win right now because of that, right? I would have felt like it was stolen, but it all worked out in the scheme of things. So I'm happy, but golly, that was the most stressful race of my life. I, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to try to work on being nicer, and I'm going to work on being uh, a little, a little more thoughtful with my words, Lynn. <laughs> Good luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I like listening to Ben talk. He's always a good soundbite and a good interview, and he will be on the Front Stretch podcast next week as well. Good couple weeks racing at Daytona. I, I enjoyed it. I do think it's worth pointing out what one of my colleagues, Matt Weaver, said, which is essentially get rid of the clash. The duels can replace that and serve as the precursor to the 500. Then you have the 500 and then the road course the next weekend as a points-paying race, and that can be dubbed the new Speed Weeks. I really like that. What do you guys think? Let me know. Interview time. Zach Albert of NASCAR.com is our guest this week on the show. I mentioned it in our chat, but he has been one of the biggest influences personally on me in my career. He, he gave me my start. He's been one of the nicest human beings throughout all of this craziness that we <laughs> try to advance ourselves through in 2020 and 2021. And he's been around the sport for longer than I've been alive. So I dated him a couple times at that. Ton of fun stories about North Wilkesboro, his time learning the journalism tricks of the trade, and his many, many years in the North Carolina area, overcoming some personal struggles and battles. He was he was very open and honest with everything, and I appreciate him as a person. I appreciate his time today. I appreciate his work. It was awesome to get to catch up with him, a friend for a while, finally on the pod. So without further ado, here is my conversation with all-around legend and great guy, Zach Albert. Really excited about this guest today. He's been a big help to me in my career, been a big mentor to me as well. So it's only right that I have him on Victory Lane because, God, we have a lot to discuss and a lot of trips back down memory lane to take. It is Zach Albert from NASCAR.com, the bearded aficionado himself. <laughs> I'm so happy that you joined me today, Zach. Thanks for taking some time. What what does somebody like you do on a busy Wednesday morning? A busy Wednesday morning. I'm actually off having worked the weekend before. So um, so I'm taking a rare breather. Uh, so today is my day to catch up on all the errands and, and such that, uh, that, that, that goes missing otherwise during the weekend. So yeah, um, so that's, that's my game plan for, for today and tomorrow. Sure. Who paid you to spend some of your off time with me? That sounds terrible. I don't know. Uh, I'm still waiting for the check to clear. So all right. Yeah. Well, it's it's in the, it's in the mail. So just take just relax a little bit. It's on the way. Fair enough. <laughs> cool. Well, Zach, you're the manager of content at NASCAR Digital Media. People may recognize your name from reading stuff on NASCAR.com. They may have seen your face on some digital content with backseat drivers last year as well. Uh, you do it all over there. So can you tell us what your day to day duties? kind of entail 
being as that role at NASCAR Digital Media? Sure. Yeah. And I appreciate that uh, kind words. Um, yeah, it's a lot of editing and writing. Um, you know, I still get to work with words every day. So um, that's that's always been a treat. And, um, you know, just being able to, to kind of work with, you know, some of our staff and, you know, we've got great staff members and everything. So, um, yeah, there, there's a little bit of uh, having to do a little bit of everything. Um, you know, not not so much of the video side recently, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, primarily just working with, with uh, we're working with words and uh, trying to make sure we are up to snuff on everything that we do. So that's that's in in a nutshell. That's pretty much it. Working with words, I like that. I need to. Uh, I got to print that on a T-shirt or something because that's what <laughs> we do. <laughs> Definitely. So I know that you do some long form stuff. You do some news articles. I mean, you do pretty much a, a lot of different things at the website. You know, one thing that comes to mind was um, you texted me. Actually, <laughs> pro tip to me, I helped you spur the idea. Um, was you know four images that lasted in the minds of NASCAR fans last year. And you got the stories behind those images, talking to the actual photographers themselves. Um, one of them was a Bubba Wallace uh, selfie that he took. Another one was Kevin Harvick spinning out of Martinsville. I think the other couple are, are skipping my mind right now. But that was like a really cool piece that you did. And it's that kind of content and stuff that you do on NASCAR.com. In addition to some competition bulletins and explaining that, outlining that, as well as just some other news pieces here and there. So you kind of do it all in terms of the words, as they say. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, it's funny, you mentioned the the um, story about the photos. I mean, those, you know, it, you you had tweeted out, you know, these these images from, you know, what was a, a, a pretty uh, intriguing season. Um, you mm-hmm. know, there was a little bit of everything that we had last year, for sure. Um, and, and I just thought, you know, rather than have the people that were in the, like the subject of those photos, maybe necessarily, you know, tell the story. How about the people that, you know, that took some of those photos? And so, mm-hmm. so Tyler Barrick, um, you know, his photography work, um, getting that Jimmy and chase shot, right. uh, that we saw from Phoenix that, that took off and went viral. Um, talking to the excellent Jared Tilton from Getty images and, and some of his things, but also, you know, Bubba Wallace taking that selfie, Steve Newmark from, from Roush Fenway, you know, having taken the photo of Ryan Newman walking out of the hospital, yeah. um, you know, that, that whole thing wasn't even hardly <laughs> me writing. I mean, that was like asking the, you know, some open-ended questions and then just letting me, letting them walk me through it. Um, yeah. so, um, yes, I do have to give you the hat tip for, for, for the idea on, on that one. But, um, yeah, we, we kind of took it and, uh, ran, uh, you know, at least a little bit different direction on it. So fun well, stuff. I may have brought up the idea, but you executed, so no hat tip necessary, but thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I'm sorry in advance, but, um, you've been around this sport for longer than I've been alive. Sorry. I am I old. Say it. <laughs> I am old. <laughs> you, yes. you look, you look, you don't look a day over 30. Please yeah. trust me. The beard does wonders, though. I will say, I appreciate that. Yeah, I used to be uh, Jim, Jimmy Johnson years old, and now it is Alex mm-hmm. Bowman years old. So, yes. um, yeah, I had to change that for this year. But yeah, well, you still are Jimmy Johnson years old, just an Indy car, but we stick to NASCAR here. That's that's true. Yeah. Um, so as I said, I mean, I wrote in my notes in parentheses. Sorry, but when I was doing okay. my research, I realized that that was true. Uh, if if not, if you haven't been in sport for 24, 25 years, it's really close. It's over a couple decades. So let's go through some stuff. It all started in great state of North Carolina at UNC Chapel Hill. You graduated in 94. Is that right? 
That's right. So I was negative two years old again. Sorry, <laughs> but it is what it is. And you studied English and history. I'm curious what drew you to those two specific disciplines and was journalism on the radar at that point? Well, you know, if we go back even a little further, you know, sure. a lot of a lot of what happened was, you know, my dad taking me to Bowman Gray Stadium, you know, not, you know, grew, I grew up just outside of Winston-Salem. And so that was my home track, which I know it's kind of taken a life of its own recently, but that's all I knew growing up was 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 going to Bowman Gray. And so, um, you know, Rockingham, Martinsville, North Wilkesboro, those were all like within a short distance. So that was mm -hmm. kind of you know, my introduction to the sport. And I always kind of knew that I wanted to, to work in that. So um, anyway, fast forwarding back to college. Yeah, um, I was, I started off as an education major um, and, you know, was kind of in that undecided, you know, what am I doing uh, type of, I, I think everybody changes their major at least once, right? So you have to, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's kind of where, where I went, um, you know, and I think the biggest thing was getting hooked up with the Daily Tar Heel uh, back in my sophomore year. And, you know, I, I was not a journalism major, although I took, you know, I think two or three journalism courses um, just to make sure I had some of the, you know, basics uh, there. But, you know, I learned a lot of that on the fly, you know, working at the school paper. And we were we were five days a week. You know, uh, we were essentially a daily newspaper that didn't, you know, publish on weekends, but um, that really kind of, you know, gave me a pretty solid foundation for, you know, breaking out of school and, and, and getting into the business and, um, you know, great experience. And, and I look back on it fondly. Um, so um, there was always something to do there. And um, that was... Uh, you know, really valuable training just for, for what was to come. You're right. I should have started before because I know That's that okay. Bowman Gray is, is super close to your heart. <laughs> um, I'm when you were saying Rockingham, Bowman Gray, Martinsville, North Wilkesboro, I mean, I'm jealous because I mean, being how I am, I've been, I've been to Martinsville. I never mm -hmm. got the chance to go to Rockingham. I only saw highlights of races on YouTube, North Wilkesboro, the legend that is, I know that from my racing and that's about it. Right. Uh, and Bowman Gray, I haven't gotten the chance to go to yet. So the fact that you grew up in the sport, going to all those historic venues that live in the folklore of the sport, I mean, you got you, you were hooked from there, and I don't blame you because those stories from those specific tracks speak for themselves. I'm sure that that was a really fun childhood to have going to those specific tracks. Yeah, I think I was eight years old, nine years old, something like that, when I went to, I guess, my first cup race, and that was 81 Rockingham. So, I mean, that just kind of tells you how far back, I mean, um, yeah. you know, and it just kind of stuck with it from then, but, um, I was always a big, uh, Cale Yarbrough fan, mm. um, you know, growing up and, you know, so the 79 Daytona 500, which I watched, you know, live and was just boo-hooing after the final lap. <laughs> um, and, and, um, it, it's funny, like years later in my current role, I actually got to you know, interviewing one-on-one -on -one. Um, and never told him. And I always like, when I wish, you know, do I break that wall? Do I not, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I didn't um, ultimately, but um, Kaylee Arborough was always, you know, kind of my guy growing yeah. up. And part of that was just the way Ken Squire said it, just the way it like rolled <laughs> off his tongue and everything, yeah. you know, from watching those broadcasts, but um, different time, different era. Um, yeah. It's, it's crazy to see how far it's gone from, 
from way back when. But yes, to reinforce your original point, I am old and uh, I feel it every day. So, <laughs> uh, I really, I, I had to give you some crap for that. I had to. No worries. Um, I, I love, to. I love the clip of Kale Yarbrough and Dale Jr. brought it to the public's attention. But it's that in-car camera where he's he's wheeling it at Daytona, and he is making the sounds of the car, and you can hear it if you if you know what's happening. You go back and you can hear him literally going, and he's like bouncing in the seat because it's back in the 70s and the 80s. That's the funniest thing to me. Like Kale Yarbrough, he's a legend in his own right, multiple-time champion, you know, Hall of Famer, obviously, all that stuff. But he's just one of these funny guys who's making, who's trying to like wreak havoc in the TV compound and like, where's that noise coming from? Oh, it's actually in the in-car camera and the driver's making the noises. That's Kale for you. And that's funny. I'm glad that he was your favorite driver and he, and you got a chance to speak with him. I mean, that had to be a thrill for you, even though you didn't break that wall. It's still pretty cool. I didn't. But yeah, no, it, it was pretty special, Um, you know, just to, you know, there, there's been a lot of different pinch me type moments like mm -hmm. that. So um, that was definitely one of those that was way up there. Yeah, we'll get to some more pinch me moments. But in the meantime, <laughs> let's let's keep going through the progression of your illustrious career. So <laughs> UNC Chapel Hill, you studied English and history, you started writing at the newspaper, and you developed that foundation for journalism and all that good stuff. And then once you graduated, the Burlington Times News, then Southern Motor Racing as a staff writer and a photographer. I'm intrigued by that. Um, I know that you love photography and you we also are going to talk about typewriting because I'm really intrigued by that as well. But <laughs> in terms of that specific um, that that outlet at Southern Motor Racing doing some photography as well, was that something that you wanted to pursue or was that something that you basically were told, hey, we need some help. You should try to do this. Um, I, and how were how were you at it? Did you like it? I, I did. Um, that was kind of out of necessity. We were a really small outfit. Um, and, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with SMR, but um, uh, the great Hank Schoolfield was um, really a mentor to me. And, and that's part of where I've got, you know, an interest in typewriters as well. He never used a computer in his life. I mean, he was, you know, had a trusty typewriter by, by him, like at, at all times. And so, mm -hmm. um, Anyway, he was very old school. He he was a kind of a radio, like in the you know Universal Racing Network was like kind of a predecessor to to MRN, um, and so he was involved in that. And so anyway, we were just a really small staff. It was me and, and Greer Smith who who later went on to the the High Point newspaper. Um, you know, it was just kind of like okay, here here's the camera, here's this long lens, <laughs> you know. Um, it, they, they trusted me with some of the foundations, like the basics. Um, at, but I just kind of went from there. Um, so yeah, so that was, uh, um, that was just, that was kind of part of it, but, uh, they were, it was a very old school operation. And so, um, you know, some of that, that definitely rubbed off on me in terms of, you know, how I've kind of carried some, some things yeah. with me from there. But, um, the other thing that they did was, um, public relations and so the pr um that they did any press releases um from bowman gray and from north wilkesboro speedway came from them so he they had the every other week newspaper racing newspaper but they also did uh the public relations for north wilkesboro up until the end mm -hmm. so um so that was part of the job too it's like we we you know we were basically so I was basically on staff for the last year of North Wilkesboro. 
through wow. that. And so, um, you know, I was up on the roof, you know, taking photos with the long lens um, for the last race. So, um, so that's, that was kind of a cool moment too. That's and really just, cool. you know, the scene and, and, and being part of that, um, but being on the inside of that too. So. Can you compare the atmosphere that was North Wilkesboro and, and the folklore that it has? Can you compare that to anything that we have now, or is it just too different? I think you get some of that with Martinsville for sure. Mm -hmm. I think you get some of it with Darlington, um, just in terms of how those places have kept, you know, their character and, yeah. and things like that. I think you get a little bit of that with Bristol. Um, but you know, it, just in terms of what the racetrack is, but right, you know, right. it, it's gotten so built up, um, you know, which is not a knock on it, but it's, I mean, it is a big gleaming, you know, uh, Coliseum yeah. now as they bill it. Um, <laughs> But, you know, if you go to Darlington, you still, you know, you can kind of feel that, you know, rough edge and how the, yeah. you know, some of the basics of the, that, you know, tough old racetrack really haven't changed over the years. Mm -hmm. I think you get some of that at Martinsville too. Um, some of that's just the drive in. I mean, you know, you're, 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 com you're coming on these, you know, two lane, four lanes, you know, coming into the place and uh, yeah, it, it, the track just kind of rises out of nowhere in some, yeah. in some of these instances. So. I think Martinsville and Darlington, you kind of get some of that feel. Yeah, two of the oldest tracks on the circuit, so that would make sense. I'm curious about the PR aspect of this as well, because I did see that in my research that you served as a press assistant with the company's PR firm, and that's obviously a different side of the business. But in some ways, um, and I mean, you obviously know it, you know, I considered when I was working at NASCAR on the home track side of things, in a way, and somebody, I think, on the home track side told me this, essentially, you know, in a way you are PR, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you're working for the sanctioning body and yes, you're covering the event, you're an unbiased reporter, all those things that go along with it. But at the same time, you know, you're providing coverage for the company. And in most times in my instance, you know, they're not sending anybody else to Meridian, Idaho or Roseville, California or San Bernardino, <laughs> California. You know what I mean? So yep. you're the boots on the ground. You are the person that is there seeing what's happening understanding the flow of the race, writing the race recap, gathering content. So in a way, you know, you are basically doing public relations for the company in that respect. And I find it interesting that you did that for the last race at North Wilkesboro. That's that's really cool. I did not know that. Um, I'm curious in the sense of that, does that prepare you for the role that you're in now to a certain extent working for the sanctioning body now? but also back then working for a racetrack and, and hand in hand with them, seeing how things operate from that perspective of things. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I think um, one of the biggest things was just kind of the exposure to that side of it, you know, just mm -hmm. to, you know, even back then, you know, the, the word state uh, shareholders may, might not have been, um, you know, a, a word that was used a lot, Yeah. but you got to see all sides of it. You know, when people would come up to the credential building, you know, which was kind of our headquarters, you know, on the North Wilkesboro side, you know, you'd have press, you'd have, um, sponsors, team representatives, crew who name, you know, you name it. Um, yeah. there were so many different, you know, parts and pieces to make the whole thing work. And you did that every week, you know, it was a little different, you know, working for just like one track, right. um, you know, not, and not being on the road every single week, you know, we traveled some, but it was mainly to, you know, drivable within the, greater Winston-Salem area. Mm -hmm. um, but it, I, I think it just kind of exposed you to that side of it and kind of gave you um, that, hey, everybody's, you know, th 
everybody that's here from, you know, whatever different department or background it is, you know, is all trying to, you know, enjoy and, and you know, make the race happen. And so I think that's the, the exposure from that side of things, just mm-hmm. to kind of open your eyes to, it's not just, you know, it's not just people that write about the race and things like that. It's not just a point A to point B type thing. There's yeah. a lot of different people that, that make this whole thing go. So I think that was just the, one of the bigger things. Yeah. I mean, fans show up to the race, enjoy themselves and go home, but there's a lot more that goes into it, into the minutia specifically. And you were part of that. So that's pretty cool. I really want to get to North Wilkesboro to just see it and experience it. Um, when I know you've been, you know, since it closed and, and with the, with the historic significance that it has now and kind of the spooky aspect, when you go there now, what are the feelings for you seeing in its current state and, and the historic value that it holds now compared to when you were working there in its heyday? What are the feelings that you have? Yeah, it, it's kind of sad. Uh, the last time I was in there was um, it briefly reopened in 2010, you know, with a promoter that, you know, had put on a, I think there was a cars tour race and I know there was a modified tour race. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was there for one of those. Um, but, you know, just as soon as it had opened back up, it closed again. Um, so I haven't been back like inside, um, you know, I don't think really since then. And, and mainly it's because I don't want to bother the, the caretaker, you know, the people that, that there, yeah. there are people that live on the drive that's like right up to the racetrack. Yeah. And, you know, I just don't want to, I'm sure they get all the time, you know, people knock on Absolutely. the door, Hey, you know, and I'm not going to break in. I'm not going to, you know, any of those type of things. So I, you know, I've kind of, I've pulled up to the gate a couple of times and kind of peered over, but you know, nothing much more than that. But, um, you know, I will drive, um, sometimes on 421, you know, the, the highway that kind of goes back behind where like the turn one and two are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, um, it, it's crazy how, you know, having explored some of those lost speedways, it's, it's crazy how nature kind of reclaims itself. You know, I yeah. mean, it just, you know, there are trees shooting up through, you know, where grandstands were and, and things of that nature. And, um, and you can't stop nature. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how, um, it, you know, I, re- I remember like for that last race at Wilkesboro, you know, walking on the roof, um, and taking photos from there and it was rickety then, you know, there is no chance I would, you know, set foot up on that roof, you know, <laughs> now it's a death sentence 25 years later. Absolutely yeah. not. You know, um, it's just, um, I, I know people and trust me, I would love to see racing happen there, you know, mm-hmm. as, as much as the next guy, but, um, it, it, that's just, it's such a tough sell, um, yeah. in terms of what would be need to, what would be needed to brought it back up. It, it's basically, you need a Wilkes County lottery winner, I think to, hmm. um, or, or someone who just, you know, has a heartfelt place, you know, with, scads of money to, to kind of bring that back. You know, it's sad, but, um, you know, it's the fact that it's still there at all, I think is at least some, some comfort just to know that, you know, it's a landmark. I mean, it's, it's still there. It is. Um, and I mean, that, that's the realistic aspect about it, right? If it's going to come back, which it's not, sorry, unless Marcus Smith, if you're listening, I mean, if you want to pony up a few million bucks, you know, we we won't say no, (laughs) Um, but it's, it's just not going to come back, you know? And, that's my thing too. Like I, 
I obviously don't live down there, so I don't have the chance to just drive by. But when I get down there and when I drive by, the the most nerve wracking part for me is going to be going to the caretaker's place of residence and knocking on the door and being like, hey, sorry to bother you, but I'm that guy today. Can I can I just right. see it, please? I mean, because I mean, you know, they, they get probably thousands of people every year. Like, what are they going to do for this 25 year old kid? from the DC area. It's like, who's, what does this kid want? You know? So, but I'm sure one day I'll get there. I'll muster up the strength, to just like annoy these people and go. But, um, I think it's really cool that, that you were able to experience North Wilkesboro for all it was before how we know it now as this lost speedway, as you said, um, I was getting goosebumps when you were talking about it because I'm sure you watched the, the Dale junior series lost speedways and, you know, when they talk about and show the actual footage of nature, as you said, reclaiming these tracks, Metrolina comes to mind. Like, like these tracks are literally taken over by nature. Leaves everywhere, vines, tree branches everywhere, rust, dirt everywhere. But within that, and especially at North Wilkesboro, the asphalt remains. It's not in good shape, but it's there. Right. Some of the grandstands remain. They're not in good shape, but they're still there. Some paint with the Winston Red on it. Not in good shape. But it's still there. And, you know, seeing the, the footage of the past races there. And honestly, I mean, when iRacing happened and they raced there, seeing what it would look like in its heyday, that was a real thrill for me, just knowing the, the insane history of it all. So if there's one thing that I'm jealous of you for, it might be that you got to experience North Wilkesboro in its heyday, because that's something that I really selfishly want to do in my lifetime and, and just maybe see a race there. I'm, I'm not holding out hope. But again, if, if Marcus Smith's listening, you know, <laughs> by all means. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's really cool that they did preserve it for, through iRacing yeah. so, that, so that people can at least experience, you know, the unique, you know, downhill on the front stretch, yeah. uphill on the back. I wouldn't know. have gotten that if it wasn't for that. Right. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, the the other memories that that you you don't get from that are, you know, the the lunch, the fried chicken lunch that was on race day oh, oh my gosh uh there was that i mean just uh like the weird shag carpeting that was in the press box like in the <laughs> that sat up over there and yeah uh, the really anti i mean some of the furniture that was there was a, just a true time warp um but then there was almost like a receiving line for the for the winner like the winner would actually walk up the stands to you know to the press box yeah. hold you know sit back hold court that's old school and then, and then walk out with a receiving line almost so um one last books for a story i can tell you and i can was, listen to these all day go as long as i you know want. i know um and this just kind of tells you how bygone an era it was um and i think the statute of limitations is, is done on this but i think it was one of those last years um you know somebody kind of I can't remember who it was exactly, but somebody whispered in my ear to say, um, on your way out, if you'll stop by the credential office, um, we have a parting gift for you. Um, and it's North, it's Wilkes County's finest export. And so you're in the okay. brushy mountain, you're in the brushy mountains there. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, get some apples to take home, you know, whatever. Uh -oh. Um, it was moonshine. I mean, Damn like, right like, it was. <laughs> like a jar of Wilkes County's finest. Um, wow. in a brown bag. Um, Maybe and Junior Johnson even made it. You don't know. Who who knows? <laughs> well, that's the kind of thing you didn't ask. Um, oh yeah. So, so <laughs> um, but boy, I mean, you know, I 
I, I, I think I had a sip of it and yeah, it's enough to make your, your arm hair stand up. I mean, it just, <laughs> I, I have kept it for posterity. Um, part of it, cause I'm a little worried about where it came from, but, uh, I mean, you know, just to kind of have that, uh, memento and that, you know, that, that's kind of that big time touchstone way back to yeah. you know, like NASCAR's past and everything like that. So, um, I, I, that's an era, you know, even back then, I mean, that was, you know, mid nineties. I mean, but will we ever see that again? I don't, I don't think so. That is, that is really cool. I over, I think somewhere in my room, I have like a, like a mini flask of Sugarland shine when that was the official moonshine and NASCAR partnership was announced. Yep. I got nothing on you, man. <laughs> that is, that is something else. I, I think for, for the sake of this story, we should just say, that you have Junior Johnson moonshine. That that makes the story all the more cool. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows where it came from? And I didn't ask. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's so cool, though. Thank you for sharing those stories. That was awesome. Trip down sure. memory lane. Um, let's keep going with your career, though. So you're on to the High Point Enterprise after that as a reporter and an editor. And I know that that newspaper was a bigger circulation. So obviously it was a bigger deal in some respects. Um, but from, from where you were at um, SM, SMR, to then High Point Enterprise, like, were you focused on racing more at High Point or was it more so just general sports assignments? It, general, and I think that's been kind of a theme, you know, um, you know, it, there was a lot of general, but everybody know, knew that my specialty was was of course. You know, NASCAR and things like that. Um, you know, and in High Point, you know, I worked with uh, Benny Phillips, who was a Squire Hall winner um, and, you know, was just a amazing guy um, and great rider. Um, he had this really homespun way of, of writing and um, learned a lot from him. And in terms of like his connections and his knowledge of the sport was just, you know, fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, it, he, he died several years back, but uh, Ed Hinton wrote a fabulous tribute to him. And it's worth looking up if you wanted to learn more about him because it just, yeah. it, it paid great tribute to him and um, Hinton can really write. And, and he, you know, they were, they were buddies from way, way back. Um, and so it really told his story in a way that, that I, I couldn't. And yeah, it, um, anyway, great influence and a, a great guy to work for. Um, but knew everybody in the garage, everybody knew Benny. And so, um, you know, working for him was, you know, really special, but yeah, lots of high school sports and, you know, those type things. And, um, that kind of, that that's kind of been a constant, you know, throughout. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, working for Benny Phillips was, was you know, him and Hank Schoolfield. Those were two, if I was to put two people up there that have been, you know, huge influences, it would be them. That's exactly what I was going to ask. So, you know, like in my career, I mean, I'm not going to blow smoke here and I'm, I'm going to get to it later, <laughs> but like you have been one of the biggest influences in my career and I'm forever indebted to you for that. Um, so you would be one of those two people, you know, for me. Were, was was Hank and Benny those two people for you in terms of mentors and influences to help you get to where you wanted to go in this life? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think part of it was just, you know, not only just their knowledge of the sport, but just in terms of um, what what their their influence was. You could you could see that, you know, how long that they had put into, um, you know, the career, the the sport, just there, there was so much that they had put into it. Um, so, um that was, I, I think just in terms of not, not just like learning from the writing end of, of things from them, but mm -hmm. um, there was, there was a lot um, just in terms of how they, you know, 
how they edited, how they managed the staff. Um, so there were a lot of things that, you know, I picked up from them, not just, you know, because of that. So, yeah, makes sense for sure. I'll definitely do some reading on him. Cause, uh, cause I don't know too much about him selfishly, but I want to learn more and Ed Hinton, anything he, anything he writes, I will read. So, uh, I'll get on that. Okay. After that, uh, I know you moved on to the Winston-Salem Journal as a copy editor, and I'm sure that had to be a thrill for you growing up in that area, and you took a lot more trips back to Bowman Gray Stadium. Can you take me through uh, that step in your career and what that was like in terms of the progression? Um, yeah, that was um, really a desk job um, primarily, and I, I didn't get out and report as much as I, I had been. Um, it, part of it was just a move and... Um, you know, also just the chance to work for, you know, the paper I grew up reading, you know, yeah. so, so that was special from that standpoint. Um, <clears throat> but I wasn't there for very, very long, but, you know, they had, uh, I mean, it's kind of, they, they had so much bigger staff than, um, you know, I know times have been, you know, tough on the newspaper biz for, for a while now. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy for me to, you know, I read Mike Mulhern and Lennox Rawlings and, and, and those guys, you know, all, you know, Dan Collins, uh, Bill Cole, you know, all those guys, um, you know, were, you know, when I was thumbing through the sports pages as a kid uh, and then they were calling me to make sure, hey, did you get my story? You know, so crazy. Um, yeah, no, it's that, that came full circle, too. So uh, good experience there as well. Absolutely. Then you landed at where you were for, I believe, 11 years. You got there in 2000 and you stayed there for over a decade. USA Today. What yep. were you able to do there that you hadn't been able to do before at, I guess you could say, some smaller places and smaller newspapers in the North Carolina area? Because USA Today is almost as big as it gets in the newspaper business. And being there, obviously, as, as the Internet took more shape and kind of boomed in that respect, you grew along with them in their online presence. Um, and I, I honestly didn't even know you when I met you. I knew you from NASCAR.com. And then when I started to learn more about you, I realized that you were at USA Today for over a decade. And I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Big newspaper. Uh, yep. So take me back there. I mean, like when, when you got there to, to when you left, 11 years is a long time, but I'm sure you accomplished a lot of different things in that time. It was it was fun. Um, it, it was... I'm trying to I'm trying to frame it exactly because it it was um, in some ways it was almost a separate entity from the newspaper. So you know I took the job. It was usatoday.com, and you know it was kind of its own department. You know yeah. there wasn't the convergence that you have now of I hear you. of you know there were there were things that the newspaper would hold just for them, and it wouldn't go online. There wasn't the media saturation that you had. I mean this was 2000. Yeah. You know, still kind of, it still sounds kind of, so foreign, but back then know. that was common practice. Yeah. Yeah. Like somebody at the newspaper had gotten a scoop, you know, they weren't going to share it with us necessarily, you know, <laughs> that, but there was just a thought, you know, it, yeah. breaking, breaking news stories online was not, it just wasn't done. You know, mm -hmm. it's not unique to them. It just wasn't, wasn't the same. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll never forget, like I told my, my boss, Terry Oberly at the, uh, when Salem paper that I was leaving to go to, to USA Today and his eyebrows, he was like, huh? And then I said, dot com. And he's like, oh, like, I mean, just like, um, because that's kind of what they, you know, people thought of it, that, mm -hmm. you know, the paper was the paper. Um, I think 9-11 changed a lot of that in terms of, you know, 
happening that morning and how are people going to get real time? You couldn't wait yeah. for the paper to come out that morning. For sure. You know, um, I think that changed a lot of it, but, um, you know, I, I think there were some outlets that were starting to kind of come around to it and that just, that made it a, you know, a full sale on that. So, um, it was kind of the wild west in terms of us figuring out, you know, the, te- you know, if you look back at the technology from 20 years ago and, and what we had to deal with, you know, um, there were a lot of things that were still like very, very new. Um, and some of that we, we kind of, you know, learned and, you know, some of that we were, you know, kind of pushing the, the forefront on. I remember when we added comments to stories, I mean, that was one of the, we were one of the first places to, you know, there, there weren't a lot of people that were doing that. Yeah. And then we were like, social journalism, what are you talking about? So you really are dating I, yourself this time. I wow. am. I am. I told you. <laughs> um, yeah. Day over well, 30, I told you. I know. I know. Um, yeah, I can tell you stories about filing, <laughs> filing articles from a TRS 80, the old trash 80 computer, which you. Oh, wow. Anyway, yeah. It's a <laughs> complete, complete artifact these days. But anyway. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the, the, the experience was great. And, and, you know, I worked with a lot of quality people. Um, and it, it's weird, like in the 10 or so, 10, 11 years that I was there, um, the, you know, it, the attitudes had to change. I mean, in terms of how people work together, like, mm-hmm. you know, I think, um, you know, some of the newspaper folks, you know, it didn't treat, you know, started to not treat us like we were a, a separate department. And, you know, we didn't, treat them like you know they they were a stodgy you know bigger than us type type of group and i think we kind of came to the realization and this this was even in the time i was there just that we had to work together um to to kind of make this whole thing go you know so um i I think there were a lot of changes there was some gnashing of teeth to make that happen but um i think there were what you see today so that wasn't always the case. I mean, that, that you know, that it took some took some doing to kind of mm-hmm. get to that point in terms of, you know, how how a newspaper could function, you know, with its online wing. So that's that's kind of where that that was one of the main things I kind of learned from there. Yeah. Well, I'm intrigued by that because you know I got to college in 2014 and I I think I've told you like I got there I started majoring in journalism and I said I just want to be like Bob Pockers. I just want to be a print reporter, write in the newspaper. That's it. Then I discovered radio. That was fun. Then mm-hmm. I discovered television. That's also fun. Now I'm a multimedia journalist and reporter, right? But it wasn't always that way. Like radio has been around for a long time. I understand that. TV has been around since, you know, the early 2000s. I get that. But the journalism field, you know, radio and television, it was not widely acceptable or widely done to to pursue those specific, you know, broadcasting ventures. The industry has changed in the short time that I've been working as a professional in it. I've seen it change. And that's only been half a decade, maybe. And you've been in this a long, long time. Sorry, again. Um, <laughs> but how have you seen the industry change from that respect? You mentioned the Internet boom and, and how that shifted how news outlets decided to to make their news and break their news but i'm sure even before that and we'll get into to the talk about typewriters and stuff but like you've probably seen the industry change in more ways than a lot of people have in the sport yeah i that's fair to say i mean i i think it's you know one of the things is you can't just be one dimensional you know you i think that's that's part of it mm-hmm. um you know 
I, I certainly, you know, would consider, you know, writing to be the strongest strength that I have, but I'm, you know, I, I have to at least, you know, be able to hum a few bars in terms of, you know, being, doing some video and things like that. You know, there's, um, I think there's a lot of people that, uh, it, it, there are very few people that can just get by on doing one thing. I think you have to, you know, be able to kind of diversify yourself. And, yeah. you know, if that's, you know, being on podcast, having, having a, you know, strong social media presence, you know, having a broadcasting angle to go along with the written word. I think that's, that's um, what goes a long way towards, you know, uh, kind of, kind of making your, 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 you know, hanging your shingle in this business. I think that's part yeah. of it. So um, yeah, it definitely, I think versatility, I think is, you know, still goes a long way in terms of that. Um, I don't think it always was that way. Um, you know, I think there were a lot more people that could just be a, you know, a great writer or, you know, great broadcaster things like that. I think you have to do a little bit more now. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. So one more question about USA today, when you were there, um, were you covering primarily racing or was it quarter of, sort of all across the board? And if so, what was, what were some of the cooler events that you were able to cover in your time there? So it, it was all across the board and it was primarily a desk job. Um, and, okay. um, so like if you went to USA today and, you know, uh, went to sports, um, you know, I ran that page on the night shift for seven years, eight years. I mean, that was kind of my, um, you know, what I did, you know, it was, you know, I was on the, on the front page and we had to monitor everything. I mean, it was, you know, whenever the, you know, Olympics were, were in, you know, we were, you know, full bore on that, you know, and so we, we had to kind of be versatile again. I mean, you, you, you kind of had to know at least a little bit of what was going on. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I look back at, you know, I, I was up to speed on a lot more like on what's going on in baseball these days, you know, than I am now when it's just like, I'm just immersed in, in NASCAR and motorsports yeah. and things like that. Um, I definitely had a specialty in, in motorsports and everything mm -hmm. like that. And so, um, I would, I would travel to races, uh, you know, that were within driving distance and things like that. So it was, you know, we would go to Dover, we would go to Richmond, uh, was not too far a drive, you know, an hour and a half down the road. Um, <clears throat> and then I would go to Martinsville from time to time cause I could stay with my folks, um, uh, which I still do. So, um, anyway, that's, um, you know, in terms of coverage, um, you know, very few, like out of the office, you know, I'd, I'd cover gotcha. maybe just two or three races a year. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, aside from that, you know, th those are pretty much the big things. I always lobbied to, to go to an Olympics, um, just because it was all hands on deck there and never quite went. So, um, anyway, if I have a regret that that might be it, that I wasn't able to cover short track speed skating somewhere back in the <laughs> Apollo Anton Ono years. Oh but yeah, baby. Anyway, that, I mean, that's the only name anybody knows. So exactly. So yeah. Anyway, those were, those were, uh, some of the, it, anyway, great people. And I still am in touch with a, a lot of those people, mm -hmm. you know, from time to time, not as good as I should be, um, clearly, but, um, yeah, uh, good friendships, uh, built along the way there as we all, we all kind of learned the dot com world, uh, yeah. on the fly for a lot of that. So were, were there headquarters in McLean or somewhere in Virginia? So when I started, um, they were in Roslyn, um, okay. you know, kind of in the heart of Arlington, it was right yeah. on the river. Well, um, I asked because I applied to a couple internships there years ago 
mm-hmm. and they were in McLean, but they that are makes now, sense yep. for, for yes, yeah, so they're in McLean now, but that makes because my girlfriend lives in Arlington, and I mean drive through Roslyn every single day, and her parents mm-hmm. live in McLean, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, I was only in the uh, Roslyn offices for like about a year, something like that, um, and so um, anyway, so I, I don't. Um, I, we had moved out to, you know, the McLean Tyson's corner area, you know, that area. Yeah. Um, that was, um, yeah, that move was something else. I guess that was right after, uh, 2011, like early 2012, something like that. So, mm, um, anyway, yeah. So Zach, I know, uh, taking the leap to move with NASCAR after 10 plus years at USA today, it wasn't an easy decision but it was a necessary one for, for a few reasons. Obviously on the professional side, you needed to switch some things up, but I know on the personal side of things, you were dealing with some inner demons as well, which you have now overcome. Um, and if you wanna share anything about that, the floor is yours, but I know that that was a, a huge part in that period of your life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, um, you know, I, I was in a dark place and um, you know, uh, I, I was dealing with depression um, and, and not well, honestly, um, you know, and I, I went down a road, you know, uh, with a, a suicide attempt and, uh, did not, um, you know, was, was really lucky, um, to, to come out, uh, the, the way that I did, you know, I had an outcome that, you know, not a lot of people do. Um, and so, so I'm fortunate, um, to be, you know, here, um, and fortunate to, um, have, you know, taken the job that I have and, and to kind of created this life that I have in Charlotte. Um, you know, when I came, you know, came back and, you know, rehabilitation and, and all sorts of different therapies and things like that. Um, you know, I knew, like, I I started to try to go back to, you know, the life that I had in terms of, you know, where I was and, um, you know, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't sustain it. I mean, I could not, um, I knew I, you know, I, I had gone so long, you know, with, you know, not being able to function and I was, you know, trying to go right back to it. And so, um, you know, it, it, it is almost trite to say it's a change of scenery and, you know, a fresh start and things like that. Um, but it was a lot more than that. And so mm-hmm. when, you know, people ask me, you know, like this job, you know, and I, I, I will tell them it is a godsend, you know, it is, you know, I, 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 I took it because it was a, a, a great, great role um, and, and everything and, you know, has allowed me to do um, a lot of things that, you know, I never thought that I would. Um, but at the same time, you know, for on a personal level, um, you know, getting back to my home state, um, you know, starting a new in Charlotte, which, you know, I hadn't had a whole lot of experience, you know, grew up an hour and a half away from here. Um, but being closer to home and, you know, being able to, you know, kind of get a, a new, new start on things. Um, you know, it sounds, like I said, it sounds trite to say, oh, a fresh start, you know, but I mean, it was a lot more than that. And I, I, it's, um, so th- this job has been a, a godsend, you know, in terms of it bringing me here and, you know, forcing me to break out of, you know, some of those, those old routines and, um, you know, it, it has been a tremendous help. And so, um, between that, um, some of the support, you know, groups that I have that, that have, that have been, you know, supportive of me, you know, through the years, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what, what helped me. So, yeah. So, um, in terms of, you know, starting at NASCAR, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a, 
shake it up. Let's try something new. Um, it, it, it meant a lot more than that. Um, and it's been a great home for, you know, coming up on 10 years now. So, um, there, there's a, it means a lot to me and that's, that's, you know, not just on a professional basis, but on a personal basis, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you also said you're also coming up on 10 years, 10 years, um, 10 years being with us. So it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to hear it. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's, that's not something easy to share, but I appreciate you being open with that. And, um, I know you, you told me privately about that type of stuff and, um, I appreciate you confiding in me just as, as a friend on that type of level. Um, so just, just being open about that, because I think also, you know, these days there's still a stigma around mental health. Um, and the age old adage and cliche is it's okay to not be okay. But as cliche as that is, could not be more true. And I was just listening to Cody Ware on the not another racing podcast, talking about his struggle with mental health and depression and anxiety. Um, so it, it is real people. And, um, you know, Matt Benedetto even said like, he was one of those people that didn't believe in mental health and like all that kind of stuff. But, you know, his eyes have been open to that type of stuff now. And obviously there are real life, tangible, you know, evidence of mental health wreaking havoc on people's lives, but we shall overcome. We are stronger for it. And, um, I, I thank you for sharing that Zach, that, that, that's really cool to hear. So thank you for that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it just, I, I felt the same way. I mean, this in terms of, you know, talking about it and being open about it, I think it takes some of the power away from it, you know, rather than yeah. bottling it in and, and, and keeping it and, you know, um, you know, and carrying that, that negative energy with you. And so I've, I've really tried to, you know, distance myself from like any of those negatives and, um, you know, talking about things like that, you know, has just really opened up. Um, and, and I applaud people that have been open, open about it, you know, and it, it, it does kind of take, you know, some of that stigma away, you know, I hate, I hate that that's still there, but, yeah. um, I, I think it's, um, you know, being willingness, you know, the willingness and, and openness in, in terms of talking about it and just, um, and being honest with yourself, I think, you know, take some of the grip of that away. Um, so, um, you know, cause it, it had a hold on me and I just, you know, being, you know, learning to, to be more open about it and, and to, you know, speak freely about it has, has helped me and hopefully has helped some others down the road too. Well said, can't add anything more to that. So, uh, that, that's very well said talking about the role that you're in specifically now, I know part of it is a desk job that you've had for, you know, previous employers, but part of it, you do get to go to the racetrack when there's not a global pandemic, of course, um, and, uh, and do the coverage at the racetrack. But in your time overall covering motorsports, going back to North Wilkesboro, all the stories there to where you are now in, in 2021, is there one race or one weekend in general that you remember that was very impactful on you? Um, and if you can pinpoint one or maybe a couple, just tell me about those specific times. Gosh, boy, you're, you're making me go through the mental Rolodex like way, <laughs> way, way back. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things was, you know, seeing uh, Jimmy Johnson win his seventh, um, you know, was, was a real big, you know, was a huge thing. Um, and I, I think, you know, people always talked about how, you know, maybe he wasn't as appreciated as he should have been. Um, you know, along the way, um, for whatever reason. Um, but I mean, I, you know, being on pit road and seeing him come under the checkered flag was, you know, that was one of those big moments. I mean, you know, I think you've, uh, you felt it. I mean, it, 
that that was huge. Um, you know, it, it I it's funny. Um, I didn't cover my first Daytona 500 until 14, something like that. 2013, really? 14. Yeah. Wow. Um, just had hadn't been there, and yeah. so um, you know that was, gosh, I think my I think my folks even put in my like high school yearbook, like, Hey, someday you'll be at the press box at the Daytona 500 or, and there you it, are. It was either then or in, like one of our final editions of the college paper. But yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they kind of knew, I guess, before I did, but you know, um, anyway, my, you know, my, my dad had, had brought me, uh, you know, we would go to the Rolex too way back in the prototype era and things like mm -hmm. that. So, you know, I'd been to Daytona, you know, several times, but it never, had never covered the 500. So, you know, if we're talking about personal moments, yeah, yeah. That, that was probably a big one, but, you know, seeing Jimmy win, you know, win there, that was, you know, that was huge, but um, yeah, I don't know. Just, I, I, I still, you know, get a kick out of, uh, you know, coming back to some of these, these venues that, you know, you, I grew up just like watching on TV and, you know, ne never, you know, always wondering if I'd ever see them and, you know, yeah. having been to, having been to, to each one has been kind of special. You said 2014 was your first 500. I think that's right. Whichever, uh, the one that, uh, Joey won and, and my, my memory. Oh, that was 2015. I remember. 15? Cause I was okay. going to say 14, that was like an eight hour rain delay and Dale jr. One, that would have been a bad first one to go to wait. Out no, I was not rain. there. It, it was a, uh, uh, Logano, I guess in the next That was 15. Year. Yeah. I remember because I was there still, as you know, in my Kevin Harvick fanboy age and, right. um, Harvick finished second that day, and I remember I was so mad because mm. there was a caution in turn two on the final lap, and they were single file on the back stretch, and Harvick was laying back, kind of like Brad Keselowski was doing at the 500 this year. He was laying back to try to get a run, and they threw the yellow. Your employer, Zach, threw the yellow, and I was so mad. I was like, just let race the line. It's in turn two. Like, just... Oh, I was so mad. Um, so yeah, I remember that day. I'm sure you do too. <laughs> I have no, I have no influence over race control. So yes, I know you don't. I know you don't. Right. I'm just, I'm angry man yelling at cloud right now. It's I see. Um, so are you still a NASCAR hall of fame voter? I am that that's been, I, I think three times mm -hmm. now. I, it, uh, I think, I guess I'm coming up on either uh, year four or five. I think it's four. Yeah. I, I want to hit on that because that is, that's an incredible honor and it, and it's a well-deserved one at that. But I think you're one of only 66 people maybe to have that honor. It's somewhere in that like 60, 65, yeah. it's something like that. Yeah. But uh, I, mean, I know it changes each year, yeah. you know, but, but that's about right. I mean, as you know, there's not a lot of people that have the opportunity to be in a room with all of those legends and have the, the decision-making power to, to vote people into the hall of fame. I know you don't take that lightly, but having that opportunity, I mean, the first time that you were in the same room as all these legends, that, that must've been a pinch me moment as well for you. It, it is, it is, uh, yeah, I, I, it's hard to even process like how big, uh, an honor that is. I mean, it is a, um, big time, you know, I do not take that lightly at all. Um, it, it was definitely weird the last time we, we did have a vote at doing it virtually. I mean, it's like yeah. Rich, Richard Petty, you're on mute. Um, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's almost, you know, uh, uh. it just, it, you know, that it was definitely different, but, you know, being in there and being, you know, beside people that have, 
you know, spent their life in the sport, you know, and given so much to it, um, you know, not just from the driving side of things, but team, you know, former Hall of Famers, you know, the current champion, you know, all, all those things. Um, you know, there are people whose names you, you know, you, you know, that may not ring out exactly, but um, it's, it's a really interesting group. And being in the room and hearing people stump for certain drivers and, you know, talk about, you know, drivers and, and, and you know, recall like, you know, personal stories about their experience with them, you know, as, you know, when they advocate for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is, um, I mean, it, it's just like opening a history book and, and, you know, throwing a dart at whatever page. And, you know, every, every story is just like this vivid recollection of, you know, people that are considered for enshrinement. I mean, it, it it's nuts. I mean, it, it's um, just, not only just who you're in there with, you know, and, and elbow to elbow with, but, um, you know, just the weight of it. So yeah, when I got the call to, to join, it's like, um, you know, I think they said, don't tell anybody for, you know, a bit. And I'm like, oh, you know, how am I not going to tell anybody, you know? <laughs> um, uh, I, I was thrilled. Um, and yeah, it's, it's continued to be you know, a, a joy to, to participate in that process and, and to, you know, keep it going. So, um, just adding history to the sport, the hall of fame is a great, great institution. I mean, it is, it is, it is something, you know, I've been, you know, several, several times, you know, and, you know, again, when we're not in a pandemic. Um, but, um, anyway, the, just did that ring, did my phone ring come through by the way? No, it didn't. Okay. Perfect. Um, <laughs> Anyway, it just like I learn something every time I go to the Hall of Fame. I mean, it just like every time I, I yeah. visit, I mean, there, there's something that's going on um, that I didn't know before. So great institution. So I know also, Zach, you are a huge outdoorsman. You're a big hiker. You recently <laughs> did a marathon hike, I think almost 26.2 miles, if I remember correctly. I mean, damn. I, 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 I go outside and I do my four mile run and I'm ready to take a nap for three days and you're just hiking a marathon out here. How do you do it? Uh, um, a, a lot of, uh, Advil. Um, I think that, that, that's part of it. I think Advil. Aren't you supposed to say blue emu maximum pain relief? I am supposed to say that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I, again, that's, an, that's another check I'm waiting for to clear. Um, <laughs> but no, that, and I think stubbornness, I think is like a, another, another prime thing, but, um, yeah, it just, that, that's kind of grown, especially more recently, just in terms of exploring the mountains and, you know, trying to get out there and, you know, when I get a day off and, you know, to, you know, try to make the most of it and, you know, put some sweat equ equity in. And, um, yeah, I did do 26 miles on my, on my birthday, this most recent one, um, Happy birthday to you. And, I know. Um, and, uh, my feet paid the price for it. Cause I'm still like, I had, had boots, new, newer boots that I was still in that kind of break in phase. And yeah, so my feet were wrecked after that one, but, um, yeah, there, there's been a, a number of cool things that, that, that have happened, uh, you know, doing that. And so, um, yeah, but some of these places just, uh, you know, out in the mountains, um, you know, which are, you know, from, from us, you know, just maybe a couple, three hours away. Um, yeah it's a beautiful country. Um, you definitely, yeah. Next time you come down, we should definitely show you some of the, 
some of the scenery around Western North Carolina. I'm not going 26 miles. It's not happening. Don't worry. Don't worry. No, my, <laughs> it, it, I, I'm lucky if I do, you know, it, it, somewhere like a good 10, 12 miles in a day is, yeah, is usually, yeah. is usually my, that's, yes. that's usually about where I cap it. So that, that's the um, most that I've done as well. I think I told you I did old rag recently and I was yeah. pretty Tucker after that. I mean, that, I mean, that's pretty hard, but, um, Jeez, 26 miles. I mean, that, that, that's insane. How does somebody how does somebody get into hiking and like be super passionate about this stuff? Because I, I have friends that do it, too, and rock climbing and just like, you know, fans of the outdoors. Um, right. but as you said, for 48 years old, you're in better shape than me. A lot of other people I know. And <laughs> hiking is a big part of that. How, how do you get into it and, and how are you so passionate about it? Yeah, I, I think part of it's just to kind of, you know, get out and, you know, be I don't know. I, I found it to be like, it really cl helps clear my head and, mm -hmm. you know, just to kind of, um, you know, gives me a goal outside of that. I mean, it's, it's just, um, you know, and I, I, a lot of times I won't plug podcasts in or anything. I'll just, you know, listen to, to nothing and just going as far as I can, seeing where I can push myself to. Um, and just, you know, a lot of times the payoff is, you know, a great view or waterfall or, yeah. you know, something like that. I mean, I don't know. It, it's, it's great exercise, but it's also, um, you know, kind of requires you to think about, all right, how am I navigating and like, where, yeah. where am I going? How far can I go? You don't want to get you lost. Know, all of those things. Yeah. So, um, so how do, the answer to how you get into it is just, you know, I, I, I was just looking for something that was a healthy outlet and, and that was it. Um, you know, just to find, you know, find these places that you know not a not a whole lot of people have gone before and then just to push yourself so i think those have been like those are two of the big drawing cards at least people on twitter may know you for two things three things nascar mm -hmm. hiking and typewriters you're a big typewriter guy i've maybe i have been on a typewriter once in my life and uh when i made a mistake i realized that that you know like you can't make a mistake and then you have to start over right. pretty much and I was like, yeah, I'll go back to my laptop. That's fine. Uh, where did your love for typewriters come from? How many do you have? How often do you use them? I love when you post uh, when you post like Darlington content on the typewriters. It's like my favorite time of year. I'm like, oh, yeah, throwback weekend. Everybody's like, oh, paint schemes, you know, Darlington, all this and that. And I'm like, uh-uh, I get Zach's typewriter this week on Twitter. That's what I'm That's saying. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, and sometimes an old school camera, too. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that came from, from working for Hank Schofield um, and just how that's, that's how he operated. Um, you know, I still, so how many do I have? Um, 13, 14. Wow. It, it's funny that I don't actually know, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's when you know you have a problem. Um, so you collect them then? Yeah, I do. I do. And, and each one is a little bit different. You know, um, I have like a few Royals, um, you know, one Underwood, you know, a couple of different like Corona um, models. Um, so each one's a little bit different, has a little bit different feel. Um, and I still use them like, you know, not just for, you know, funny, nerdy social media posts, but, you know, thank you notes, um, angry letters to politicians, um, you know, things, <laughs> things of that nature. You know, I mean, it, I, I feel like, um, it's it's very different like you said it's very different um you know to write with one of those i mean it just you have to be 
very methodical and, you know, think about like, okay, is this word going to break to another line? Where do I break yeah. it? You know, and it, you know, knowing that, you know, once you print it, you know, you know, push a, it's done to the ribbon, it's there unless you have like correction fluid, which I don't use. Um, you know, I will, if I make a mistake, I'll X over it, you know, and just kind of move on. But, um, it, it definitely, it's a more thought out process. And I enjoy the process, so yeah. that appeals that appeals to me too. But just I think it's kind of an old school sensibility, and um, they've actually had kind of a little bit of a comeback in terms of um, you know some of the popularity yeah. and, and things like that. So I'm not sure if I caught it on the early end or like yeah, right, right right on the heart of it. But e- either way, I I've, yeah. I have several, and um, each one, like I said, is a little bit different with the, sometimes the typeface or the feel you know, just the feel of it. Um, mm-hmm. and then some, some of them like have a different musty odor than the other, you know, <laughs> I mean, they're definitely older. Uh, you can tell. So, yeah. um, anyway, some yeah. people collect die cast, some people collect typewriters. It's just personal preference. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> We're going to have to like, I, I've got to find a solution we've got a shelf out, you know, kind of in one of the main rooms right yeah. now. And I've just got to figure out a, it's funny because like people will find typewriters, you know, Hey, my, my grandmother found this in her attic or something like that, you know, or was cleaning out a closet, you know, or something like that. Do you want this? And I'm like, no, yes, I do. Yes. I do want that. You know, it's like, no, do I, I don't have anywhere to put it. I was like, do I have room? No. Do I want it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I will take it. Please. Yeah. Thank you. Please. And thank you. So, <laughs> That's um, funny. so that's kind of where I am right now. Um, yeah. I have a little bit of a problem with, uh, trying to find a place for all of them, but, um, <laughs> e- each one, I have some that I will go to more than others for, for writing. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it's been, it, it's fun. I mean, it's just, uh, something different. And I think it, it kind of makes an impression like, I don't know, the, the mail is full of stuff that's not good, you know, junk or bills or mm-hmm. and things like that. And so, um, I'm a big proponent of snail mail. And so anytime yeah. somebody gets a, you know, handwritten or typewritten uh, note or card in the mail, um, you know, I don't know. I, I like to think that spreads at least a little bit of joy. So it does. Whenever I get the the holiday card from you, it always brings a smile to my face. So it is noticed. It is noticed yeah. for sure. Well, I, um, I appreciate that. I got one more thing for you and I'll let you run. Um, sure. I just got to tell this story really quickly. So <laughs> for those of you that may not know, Zach, like I mentioned at the start, but Zach helped me get to where I am today. So I'll tell it pretty quickly. Uh, it was 2014 or 15, maybe. Uh, I was looking at internships online, and I see I saw that NASCAR didn't have any. So I found Zach's email somehow. Never spoken a word to the man in my life. Just read a couple of his things at that point. And I was like, hey, looking for some internships couldn't find any was wondering if you like knew of any you know posted on nascar.com and you know he didn't have to write me back but he did and he said no i don't think we have any posted right now but are you going to daytona this is in like december january or something like that so i said um yeah my dad and i we go every year we're planning on going this year um like maybe we'll maybe i'll be able to meet up with you and he goes did you guys get pit passes yet and oddly enough that day we were gonna buy them legitimately and Zach goes, don't worry about pit passes. I'll help you out. Zach got me my first ever hot pass. 
<laughs> that in and of itself is grounds for being a guest on this show because that was insane. Um, so that was amazing. And then once I got to the track, Zach, it I was dressed in my Kevin Harvick garb. Zach took me around the garage, showed me some tricks of the trade, told me everything that I needed to know in those 30 minutes about, you know, where I needed to go, what I needed to do to to become a media member in the sport. Um, and he helped me get in touch with my former boss at home tracks. So Zach helped me get my start in NASCAR. He helped me get my job at home tracks. He helped me get in the garage for the first time. He's helped me with a lot of tools and tricks of the trade. I don't know why I'm saying he, I'm talking to you. You've done all this for me. Um, so I, I just need to tell you, I've told you privately, but I need to tell you publicly too. Um, I would not be here if it was not for you point blank. Um, you have helped me in so many ways, um, like in insane amount of ways. You taught me a lot of tricks of the trade and we've developed a good friendship now, which I'm super, super thankful for. And you are legitimately, and I think a lot of people that know you that are listening to this would agree with this. You are legitimately, I'm not blowing smoke, one of the nicest human beings <laughs> that I've ever gotten the chance to meet. And I owe you so much. So I hope one day I can repay you with, uh, with the mentorship and the gratitude that I have for you because as I said, if it weren't for you, I would not be here. And that, and that is completely true. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart, my friend. Well, I, well, I appreciate that a lot. Uh, just the kind words. Um, so I don't know if that's, if I get credit or blame for, for like giving you your <laughs> start or not, but, Both. um, yeah. Uh, but it, no, I mean, it, when you emailed me, it's like, you know, you took the time to, you know, um, I don't even remember if it had a, a resume attached or not. And I, think I'd asked for it or, or you know something like yeah. that or I, I can't remember the back and forth. I didn't know what I was doing clearly well but you took the time to like reach out and you know put you know well thought out uh you know inquiry if we had anything and and things like that and it, you know I remember getting you know looking at your at what you your background was and and what your education was and I'm like you know it might be a good asset just to at least have you know someone else to to turn to you know in our pool of you know, potential freelancers. And, mm -hmm. you know, if there was a need, you know, even if it wasn't in our department in another one, you know, because we have several different departments. So I think that, um, yeah, I mean, you, you definitely were able to tell us what you were all about and show that you had a knowledge of the sport. And so, um, and a passion for it. So I think, you know, all those things kind of added up. So, um, so I can't take all all credit at, at all because I, I think a lot of that was was you being uh, you know definitely assertive and um, you know definitely you know showing your initiative uh, and and showing that you were a go getter. So I think that um, that went a long way. You know even more than you know what my influence or direction might have been. So I, I think a lot of that. I think you deserve a lot of the credit for you know what you've been able to do and, and what you can still be able to do. So um, I think uh, initiative goes a long way, still does. Well, thank you. But I, this is supposed to be praising you, not praising me. Okay. <laughs> Whichever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm works. okay. Well, Zach, this has been so fun. Thank you, man. Um, I meant every word that I said there. Seriously, I, I owe it all to you. Uh, thanks for your time. It's It's been awesome. It's been over an hour. So I thank you for taking some time out of your off day to chat with me. Don't know why no you did that, but your check's in the <laughs> mail. Um, and I hopefully see you in person soon, maybe at the racetrack. Who knows? But we'll get through it. And I, I look forward to seeing you soon, my man.
Yeah, definitely. Um, happy to join on uh, anytime. Just let me know. Uh, we'll do it again for sure. And we're back. Hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Zach. As I said, a lot of ground that we covered there. I think well worth your time just to listen to him. He's a Hall of Fame voter. I mean, he's an NMPA award winner, I think. I, don't, I didn't even check on that because I just assume he has stuff. He is He's one of the best. Um, and he's one of the best human beings above all that. So I thank him for his time. I thank him for his example. I thank him for his help in my personal career. Zach, if you're still listening, my man, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, I look forward to chatting with you soon and, and hopefully seeing you soon. Big hug next time I see you. Race preview time. Homestead Miami Speedway real quick this upcoming weekend. The Dixie Vodka 400, Sunday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on Fox Sports 1. Denny Hamlin will be on the poll, and he will be quick. I think he is the uh, the odds-on favorite. I don't think. I know he's the odds-on favorite to win, but I think you're going to see a lot of favorites up front this week. Harvick, Hamlin, Kozlowski, Logano, Elliott, the like, uh, Kyle Busch, Truex, this is a mile and a half track, and I think you're going to see a return to normalcy of sorts on that side of things. But don't sleep on Tyler Reddick. Don't sleep on Kyle Larson either. If you're at Homestead, you're obviously never going to sleep on those two drivers. And get this. If Reddick somehow wins, which is possible, obviously, it would be the first time that three first-time winners happened in a row and to open up the season since 1949. You know what that was? The first year that NASCAR existed. So it's pretty much never happened ever before. That would be insane. Truck series are off this weekend, but Xfinity is in action as well. So we'll see if it can be the Austin Sindrick show once again. Maybe him and AJ Allmendinger will crash coming to the end of stage one. That was insane. But we'll see. Check out all the action on the Fox Family and Networks this weekend from Miami. Lug nuts of the week. Cue that funky music, white boy. Not as many news and notes this week, but we still have some. Chip Ganassi was fined $30,000 and suspended one race for COVID-19 protocol violations, but apparently he's still able to watch the race from a suite or the grandstands. He just can't be on the team radio or be in the infield bubble. So essentially, he just got fined, which is uh, whatever. It's chump change for a guy like him. Adam Stevens and Jeremy Bullens were also fined $10,000 for one loose lug nut post-Daytona road course. Traxion will sponsor Live Fast Motorsports this weekend at Homestead. Goodyear is buying Cooper, Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company specifically, for $2.8 billion. So that's noteworthy in the NASCAR realm. Richard Petty Motorsports, they partnered with Tide for the Bristol Dirt Race next month. Quinn Hauff and 8-Ball Premium Chocolate Whiskey Sounds pretty good. They've partnered for 11 races this season on the Double Zero for Starcom Racing. Check out our conversation on the Front Stretch YouTube channel as well as frontstretch.com. Chris Windham will make his NASCAR Cup Series debut at the Bristol Dirt Race for Rick Ware Racing, sponsored by NOS Energy. He's going to be on that number 15 machine. And guess what? That's about it. We don't have any other news or notes this week. Pretty, pretty light, I would say. But hey, we're all for light stuff here on Victory Lane because we were interview heavy today. But I thank you guys for joining. If you like what you heard from me, from Zach, from anybody, from my dad, Lightning McQueen, do me a favor. Leave a rating and a review. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. Wherever you get your podcasts, we should be available there for your consumption. 
And in the meantime, stay safe, stay inside, keep washing those hands, wear a mask. I'll catch you on the flip side next week with a wonderful guest from the NASCAR world. Be good, people.